0: Working with someone who is older than me, especially a man who already has a, an, an ego that I need to kind of be like, yeah, no, forget about that. This is what we're going to do. You're going to do as I say, you know, you're not here to teach me. I'm not here to listen to you. And that was one of the challenges that I've, I've had. My name is Amal Miftah and I live in Qatar.
1: Hello, you guys. Welcome to another episode of Qatar in Quotes. I'm your host, Ria Sayadi, and I'm joined by the amazing, outstanding and phenomenal filmmaker, Amal al-Muftah.
0: Thank you. Honestly, it's a pleasure for me. Um, thank you guys for for taking, you know, the extra step to, to reach out.
1: First of all, Amal al-Muftah, thank you so much for being with us here today. We're really excited. It's really like astounding for us to have our amazing and phenomenal filmmakers that rose from
0: NUQ. Would you like to introduce yourself a bit? Well, I'm, I'm a filmmaker. I actually went to NEQ uh, to, to study filmmaking. Um, I've uh, started making films ever since I was in high school. Uh, I, I went to QA. I wasn't bored and I was like, oh, I, I want to be a director. Like, I wanted to be a lot of things. And my curiosity would make me kind of go from thing to thing, you know, overnight. One day I'd be, I, I wanted to be an astronaut. And another day I'm like, I'm really inspired by Ugly Betty. I want to be, I want to work in a magazine. And it wasn't until I actually made films in NQA that I was like, you know what, this is it. Like, this is this is my thing. Uh, so I've been making films ever since. I'm, I've i made um, I've made two films, fiction films, uh, since I was in NEQ, NQ, as and shop. And right now I'm working on a feature documentary in collaboration with DFI and QNM.
1: So now that you've been like telling us all about your film experiences, what really got you interested in that? Because there there must have been this like instance or this course. So what
0: was it that got you interested in film? When I was a child, I had interests in many things. So I tried multiple things. And one of the things was to make films. There was a um, film class offered in QA at the time. And the class, um, it's part of the arts programs. So, in qa they have four arts programs theater drama music and film and because all of the classes were full they took me to music and i love music i play guitar and And i was like you know what this is gonna be great i'm gonna give it a try yeah it didn't it, it didn't work out i and luckily someone had dropped out of film class and they knew i really wanted to be in film class and that guy if he hadn't dropped Film class, I don't know if I'll be here today. Because when he dropped film class, I went there, and I was just, at the beginning, I was like, yeah, this is not for me. Like, this is a lot of things going on. And then I was like, no. Like, this is the one thing that I can be myself. I can express myself. I know I won't get bored. I won't ever get bored from filmmaking because you never make the same film twice. You're always shooting different things. You're always dealing with different people. You never have to sit in a space. You never have to worry about having an office because, you know, the world is your office. Like, you go out every day and you explore, and, and that's what filmmaking was, and that would. That was what attracted me at the time. Um, and I was like, yeah, yep, this is it. Like filmmaking is is what's gonna encompass everything else that I love and, and kind of like put it in a package for me and that's filmmaking. What was the first film that you directed or produced in Cotton Academy? first film i ever shot was a documentary it was called split seconds and it was about car accidents in, in doha and the reason i made that documentary was that ua in collaboration with mun with Simon actually at the time they had a film festival and the film festival uh, was one that kind of uh advocated you know social issues uh, just uh kind of like you know topics that were in discussion worldwide so so um if you were to get into the do- into the festival you'd have to have a film a documentary. That tackles some sort of issue, uh, be it environmental, social. So I made a film about car accidents. I remember, like, I I got a bunch of guys who uh, went with me to school, and I was like, "Hey guys, you want to do this?" And they're like, "Yeah, let's do it." And we went out and we shot it, and then uh, it, it got to the festival. It won like best sound or best audience award. It didn't win a huge um, prize. So the year after, I made uh, Al hammali which was a documentary, um, and Al Hamali was on YouTube. Um, I remember submitting it to the festival and and one of the conditions for this festival is that they need to upload it on YouTube and for any filmmaker Anything that goes online, that's it, your film's dead. So I was like, you know what? <clears throat> it's it's a you know short film, whatever, it's not gonna be a big deal. So we put it on uh, online. And once the festival announced all of the films and they posted them online, I took that link and I submitted, I put it on Twitter. I sent it to my family, whatever, I, you know. That was before the festival began, happened. So people watched it and in like three days, it blew up um, in the context of Doha. It had 100,000 views at the time, like 2014, 100,000 views in Doha. Something that everyone is talking about, that was major. Uh, and people were sending me broadcasts. broadcast. People were, were sending me tweets. And it was just like overwhelming, like the amount of feedback that I got. It was just so overwhelming. Well, I mean... This sounds really
1: not just interesting, but inspiring at the same time, because you started from QA, from just having these like tiny scenes that just won an audio award to you, just having amazing short film, fiction films, and now you're working on your own documentary in collaboration with DFI. And I'm pretty sure this is not, you know, the end of it. I feel like there's just so much more from Amin Flach. It's just like, you know, it's time. It takes time for us to see what you have. But, you know, um, since you are an NUQ alumni, did NUQ play a role in shaping your filmmaking career? Did the professors like aid you
0: somehow, or was it you know just you? I'll be very honest. I had a few uh, a list of universities that, that I wanted to go to, and uh, they offered filmmaking programs and you know all of these. And I got accepted into every university I I applied to. NEQ was always on the bottom of my list. And when the time came, I decided I'm gonna go to NEQ. I'm gonna give it a year. If I don't like it, I'm gonna go apply to another university. So. I went to NUQ and people there know my work and and know something about me, especially because the, the, the festival itself that I... Had won, Hamali had won, I forgot to mention, Hamali won uh, the um, best film prize in, in that festival. And the dean of NEQ attended. And of, of course, people from NEQ were at the festival. So already that had given me a kind of like tickets or or like an entrance to NEQ. So by the time I was in NEQ, I know a couple of people because it's still a QF environment. And the, the first year, I was like, yeah, this is not for me. Like, I, no, this is not a film school, and and I I, I just want to leave. And then I remember I had a close relationship with Professor Scott Curtis. He just changed my perspective on understanding films, on watching films, and and knowing exactly what a film is and and seeing it um, differently, Uh, especially like now that I understand the language that Professor Scott Curtis taught us on how to watch film just made me appreciate films even more. So I was like, no, I don't want to go here, Professor Scott. I think I'm going to leave. Can you write me a letter of recommendation? I want to go to this university. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take a semester off. I'm going to travel, do whatever. And then I'm going to come back. So I took a semester off. I went to New York. I did absolutely nothing over there. I just did my own thing. I was, you know, exploring the city. I was learning new things. I came back knowing how to sail, to sue, to, you know, I I, learned, I picked up a few things there. I came back with all of these new skills that have nothing to do with filmmaking. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to go back to NEQ. So I went back to NEQ and... Luckily for me, as the years passed by, new professors came in. I introduced myself to, uh, to professors there that really changed myself as a creative. Anne Woodward, Marco Williams, and Rana Keskes. Every year, a new professor would be introduced to me, by, you know, through his class or whatever. And I would just be like, yeah, like, this is, this is exactly what I need. This is it. Because I, I had a struggle in N E Q because it wasn't a filmmaking school. And I really wanted that filmmaking experience. I did get the honor in meeting Marco Williams and
1: Professor Anne Woodworth and they did change my perspective. And it's really not unfortunate, but it's like they're the, you know, like um, in, a, in this huge field of rice, you just find these two grains that just look different. And it was Marco and it was Anne for you. For me, it was Marco. So I relate to that. You know, like I still reach out to him for advice and help. And, and it's, it feels nice. It feels nice knowing that out of these four years, you found someone that you can like follow and just talk to as a mentor
0: to you. One of the opportunities, the amazing opportunities that I got while I was in NEQ, while I was a senior with five credits to finish, I got to work uh, with DFI and QM on a uh, permanent exhibition, a, permanence, a permanent exhibition. Uh, kind of installation that's going to go in the National Museum of Qatar and I was doing that, I was going to classes, I was shooting and it was a lot of things but had I gone elsewhere had I been, you know, in the, US, the States or in the UK this opportunity would have never happened I mean, this opportunity on its own, like for someone my age, it's, it doesn't happen like you don't get it like that and, and that was why I realized like after staying in Doha, I was like, this is it like this is the reason why I'm here I really appreciate, you know, Anikiu, even though they didn't really give give me everything that I wanted. I appreciate what they're trying to offer. Um, but I understand that for me to kind of really make the most of what, you know, the, of my experience as a filmmaker and, and try to learn the most, I need to to do my own thing. Yeah, like we're all, we all not really relate, but we
1: somehow relate to the fact that NEQ doesn't fully satisfy your needs, but it opens the door and it's like, go, like I'm giving you these opportunities, these, you know, chances, and you just either take them or you don't. You know, when you grow up in an environment that's supportive, that plays a role. And when you grow in an environment that's not supportive, that also sort of marginalizes your goals as
0: a filmmaker. So how was the environment that you grew up in? I wouldn't say that they were extremely supportive, or you know, my my parents had their reservations about filmmaking. They did not see it as something serious until I proved to them otherwise. Until I made the Hamali, it's, it's a different kind of film that opened people's eyes to, you know, to 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 people in society. It was it, it looked almost like um like a good deed, uh, and then after winning awards and and that they were like slightly kind of being like, okay, we, we don't mind this, this is nice. And then seeing my film and and um, MOQ, they were like, cool, okay, when are you gonna stop doing this? Like still, like there's still that expectation that someday I'm gonna move on from this and I'm gonna do something else. But you know what? My friends are, are there to support me. My my parents are, are supportive. Like they're not gonna be like, no, you, you can't go and shoot. Like they're gonna give me their green light, but it's just like, um, it's not the kind of support that you kind of envision. I feel like
1: as time goes by, they're just going to have to digest this reality and that you're going to just keep on doing these films. But like, I watched them and they're amazing. They're phenomenal. Like everything, but every single film fiction that you've done is different. You had like, Efi Amal, that was different. And then you had the latest one, which was Meja, that was different. They were all amazing, not going to lie. So you shouldn't stop. You're inspiring a lot of people and especially girls. You know, since you talked about the supportiveness of your family, what struggles
0: did you initially face? I think what people, like what people kind of imagine when they when they see me or they see other filmmakers especially women uh they imagine that the challenge the biggest challenge for them is that they're women and they're working on a set full of men and they just have to be kind of in command and they have to direct other people and they have to be strict and but that's for me like surprisingly that that's been going really smooth for me here in doha because you know what most of filmmakers here in doha are women and a lot of crew members are actually women so it's been really rewarding for me like being around women um, and seeing how men react to um, to myself but I have I have had a few experiences recently where where people question myself um, because I'm a girl uh, especially if the crew members are like older if they're actors who are older it's like all of a sudden there's like this need to like teach you like I'm here to teach you something. Like I know I'm working with you, but I want to teach you. I just want to teach you one thing and it's you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. And 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 that's what I hate. Like that was one of the the really chall- the the challenging things for me working with someone who is older than me especially a man who already has a, an, an ego that I need to kind of be like yeah no forget about that this is what we're gonna do you're gonna do as I say you know you're not here to teach me I'm not here to listen to you and that was one of the challenges that I've, I've had and sometimes um, it's hard because sometimes people were oh, you know crew members would just be like, if this is how it's going to be, I'm just going to, you know, give you some sort of attitude. Uh, and, and, and sometimes you just have to work with that. Like you just have to kind of know how to deal with that. Uh, one thing you said that caught my attention was when you said that when you're working with an older man, he feels
1: the need to like just teach you. It's like you're you're ignorant, unaware, and he's supposed to like guide you somewhere. We don't listen to him. It just busts his ego. And that has been very common. Yeah, I like I, I I encountered it with DFI. Um, I was working, I was interning for them, and that was an experience that I had. They would be like, "This is the shot that you have to take. This is the thing that you're supposed to do." We weren't working on a movie whatsoever, but somehow they felt like the need to just add this input somehow. So I'm really glad that you stood your ground because it's not just for you; it's also for us. You're proving a point that women can't take their own ground, can't stand the ground, and can say no. In a sense, it's like I'm the director. What I want happened. That's what you did. I mean, since your parents were supportive. But you know, they had this like mentality that we want our daughter to have a desk job. What was society's perception of you pursuing filmmaking as a career, not just a hobby?
0: I remember the first time I said anything about pursuing filmmaking, I was gathered with a bunch of family members and I was like, I really want to study Communication or and people, you're not gonna do that. You're not gonna study. That's such a bad industry. Why would you, you know, go like? Why would you delve into that industry? And it was because people, when you tell them filmmaking. They think of television. They think of theater. They think of the already existing industries here in Doha. uh They think, you know, of radio. But it's none of that. It's none of the it above. It's cinema. It's something that are, it does not exist in Doha. And once I started to kind of make films and people saw that this is is different than the films we see in cinema this is different from the uh the things we watch on TV or the uh plays that we see in the theater this is something completely different then people started to be like this is this is amazing this, we need to support this and it wasn't until watching you know qatari made films and seeing people seeing themselves on the big screen, being like, oh, this is the, the Jamia that I used to go to, or like, oh, this is the, the way I say this word, or, or oh, this is how I like to eat my rice, that people were all of a sudden appreciative of what cinema does and what cinema means.
1: Would you consider just solely focusing on documentaries or fiction, or
0: are you going to do like a mixture of both? A filmmaker should not be like, I'm documentary filmmakers or I'm fiction filmmakers or I'm just this and just that. For me, if tomorrow I get an amazing project that's commercial, I'm going to do it. If it's something that means that I'm going to, you know, test, like be creative and and try something new, I'm going to do it. You know, if it's, if tomorrow I get an art installation, I'm going to do anything that involves a moving image or an image static, I'm going to do. Because for me, because I, the medium is so used, is so kind of in, incorporated in, in everyday life that that it's it's really kind of it upsets me when when people try to limit themselves as like just fiction filmmaking. Like, there's so much potential in filmmaking. There's so much that you can do.
1: I would just love to quote you and take these quotes and just use them in my life because everything you just mentioned is something that has been pondering in my head and I never really. Not much of it. So, um, you know, since you're an aspiring female Arab female filmmaker, um, what advice would you tell young aspiring Arab female filmmakers or, you know, just girls that are trying to do something that's considered weird and non-conventional in their society?
0: do you like do what pleases you and always listen to yourself like if you keep going to people and asking them for advice you're going to pollute your own mindset and your own creativity you can you can listen to yourself you can listen to what your intuition tells you you can listen to what your And I'm going to go very full of on you, what your, your journey is telling you. I think you don't need people's advice. Yes, people are going to be like, okay, put this shot here and that there. Okay, maybe this kind of advice, yeah. But overall, when you're passionate about something and when you really care about it, all you need is just that passion and the drive.
1: Amal, honestly, like this entire conversation was really insightful and I'm pretty sure this is gonna inspire a lot of girls that are gonna listen to this podcast and they're gonna listen to this episode and are gonna be like, we wanna be Amal Miftaah, we wanna be the next Amal Miftaah. It's really an inspiration to see you just do all of it at such a young age that you're just gonna open segways for other girls that wanna do much more, maybe sport, maybe it's art, God knows what it may be, but you're just like the milestone of that. Thank you so much, Amal.